welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining me and again for your support and your belief in, in me. It really makes a difference. And I'm so grateful for our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for supporting me and uh, my good friend Drew Peterson's the owner of that company. And they do great work. And he's been such a support for me over the years. And I want to thank you guys. It's really helped get this podcast out to many, many people, and I couldn't do it without you, so thank you. And if it wasn't for my amazing guests, and uh, we have another amazing guest today, John Gossett, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate you having me yeah. on. Yeah, and I said that correctly, right? You did. Okay, good. I've been called worse. You've been called worse, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had the pleasure of being on John's podcast, uh, oh, what's it been now? Has it been a couple months or a yeah, month? it seems like it. It's been a minute, but uh, it was great to get to know you and, and what you're doing. And I can't wait for my listeners to hear your story and this, you know, and what you're passionate about and what you're doing in, in today's world to make it better. Um, so a little background on John. Um, John was recognized, recognized that there was too many people dying by suicide in his hometown. This set him on a course of action back in February of 2014, where he founded Life's Worth Living Foundation. It's a nonprofit suicide prevention um, company or organization to make a difference where he lived. Uh, he also realized uh, where he lived in Tooele was the fifth, uh, it was the fourth, see am I saying this right? Fourth fast, or the the fourth county with the most suicides in the fourth state. county with the most suicide in the state. And then Utah was ranked fifth in the nation for suicide. That was a little alarming to me when I read that. I didn't realize Isn't that, that. Crazy. Yeah. And so I know th this has been one of John's missions is to help prevent suicide and make a difference in people's lives, especially those who are even thinking of, you know, harming themselves. John's been a light uh, to those people. Um, this this foundation uh, was recognized back in 2015, and then you were the Citizen of the Year in 2016, and then you received the Community Service Award and Person of the Year back in 2017. It was it was Tooele, so so yeah. still <laughs> hey still though hey that's I think that's amazing you know you're a passionate leader when you set your mind to do something you do it you accomplish it and you really are you're very confident and a very uh, Pas uh, passionate and driven about what you love to do, and I, you know, when I when I met you, I was like, man, I'd love to have you on my show. So thank you for taking the time to well, be I here with us. Appreciate it. So that was a long introduction, but there's a lot more to your story. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, why don't we start, John? Tell us a little bit about you yourself, growing up, and about your family. Okay. Well, I was uh, I was born in Provo, Utah, and uh, my folks were going to college at BYU, and. Uh, my dad uh, worked for the government. We moved around quite a bit. I I lived in California, Montana, uh, New Mexico. But about the time I turned eight, we moved back to Utah. And uh, I've, I've lived my whole life here. Went to Orem okay. High School. Um, right. After I graduated from Orem High, I left on an LDS mission for uh, Texas, the Fort Worth mission, and uh, spent a couple of years there. And... Do you eat a lot of barbecue? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love barbecue. My nephew went there, and that's why I said that. He's like, we had barbecue every single night. And he goes, and it's the best barbecue you'll ever have. It is. You know, well, <laughs> when I got there, they asked me, they said, hey, we, we, right as soon as I meet the mission president, he says, hey, I uh, see you speak Spanish. And I said, well, I, I took it in high school. And right. he goes, yeah, but you took it every year 
and we're short on Spanish-speaking <laughs> elders. Would you uh, be interested in being Spanish-speaking? And well, I didn't want to upset him or sure, you're like, make him think less of me, but I was like, you you obviously haven't seen my grades. And, and uh, so they put me Spanish-speaking and flew me into West Texas that, that evening. And wow. I spoke or attempted to speak Spanish for about the first three months, mm-hmm. and they realized that I kind of sound like a hill, hillbilly from Santa Clin trying to <laughs> speak Spanish. And so they moved me to uh, English speaking. And oh, then okay. my last three months, I had had some health problems. In my last three months, I had lost a lot of weight. And they put me in the Tongan speaking mission for the last three months. And so I really? spent about six months not knowing what was being said. Jeez, really? <laughs> that, that Tongan language is not an easy language. No, no. Yeah. That's where my well. daughter served. She served in Tonga. Yeah. Yeah. So there's pretty... very little that I can... <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, no, I enjoyed it. And then right. when I came back, I uh, started a business. Um, at, I'm a tile contractor. Okay. And I've been doing that for the last 130 years, I right. think. So <laughs> I'm still doing that today. Right on. So tell us about, you know, just how was it growing up in your family? What what was it like? What what were some of the things that you took from that that, you know, that were powerful and benefit? beneficial for you today well you know i one of the things that uh, has benefited me that i didn't think would benefit me was i i grew up i'm the baby i grew up with four older sisters and really I, yeah and i had an older brother that passed away at like two years old oh, okay. and uh so i never met him so i pretty much grew up with four older sisters and uh my dad was a military guy uh, army okay. ranger and uh so growing up with four sisters, I don't know if it gave me more empathy, but I know that was, it was like a curse growing up as a kid because, <laughs> you know, you'd get up and stand and talk in front of people and tear up. And yeah. every time I did, my dad would say, you're not a gossip. You're a Nichols. You're just like your mother's family. And, <laughs> and it was, you know, yeah, I, I, it right. bothered him because my dad never cried, never showed emotion. And so I always thought that that was kind of a curse until getting into the space that I'm working in now and man without empathy you you really can't do anything and so right. it was a curse the first half of my life and, sure and now I'm yeah. finally coming to accept it it's just who I am yeah you know well having four sisters too you probably never got the bathroom I'm sure it was always occupied yeah my my <laughs> uh family teases me because I I still don't take hot showers I wasn't used to one all the hot water yeah. was gone by the time I got in the shower <laughs> So. Wow. Well, why don't you tell us um, about your foundation and why this even came about and why you're so passionate about, you know, suicide prevention and helping people in that arena? Yeah. Um, you know, if I if somebody had told me 10 years ago that this is what I was going to be devoting so much time to, I would have laughed at him because I'm a fun guy. Right. I think I'm funny. I, yeah. you know, and this isn't a place where you can be funny and, and laugh a lot. It's, it's a, it's a very serious subject. And so sure. 2014, my, my youngest son, um, was his third year of wrestling at state you know, for Tooele high school. And we had kind of, I don't, we'd always gone to the St. George parade of homes mm-hmm. until he started wrestling. And then the state wrestling tournament was the first weekend of the home show in St. George. And so we always put it back to that last weekend of the home show. The third year that he wrestled at state was no different. So we had gone, watched him wrestle at state and then went that last weekend. Um, normally he would want to go with us. Mm. And this time in 2014, he says, I think I'm going to stay behind. Um, 
I said, okay, but we're going to have people check on you. Right. you know, I'm, I'm not naive. I was thinking, okay, <laughs> he's going to try to have a party at my house or something. Right, right. He's a good kid. But, sure, uh, yeah. Um, we got down there, and Friday morning we woke up and, and got word that one of his teammates that we had traveled to all these tournaments with his parents had died by suicide. Um, and coach had taken all the, the wrestlers out of class, mm. taken them down to the lunchroom, sat them down, told them the news. They were tears, you know. Yeah. People were devastated. Um, my son was a lightweight. The boy that passed was a heavyweight. But yet they were on the same team for three years. He was uh, also a football player, really popular. And so it was devastating. So I told my son, we'll, we'll head home. And he goes, no, nah, Dad, just stay where you're at. We're going to hang out with coach today yeah. tonight we're going to go to coach's house we're all going to be together as a team so it won't do any good for you to come home so we agreed to stay but said hey we can leave whenever you want right, head right. back and and uh so that was friday so friday we looked at houses we're a little bit bummed out all day long just having that overshadowing the day right yeah saturday we got up um looked at homes again on Saturday, but still in our mind all day long. Like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. Right. And, uh, devastated for his parents, sweetest people on the planet. And that evening we had reservations for dinner and we were just getting ready to be seated. And my best friend called me and I saw he called, I put the phone back in my pocket and my wife's like, that's rude. Are you not going to take his call? And I just said, it's so noisy in here. We're getting ready to be yeah. seated. I'll just call him when we leave. Yeah. So as we were leaving the restaurant and headed back to the condo, um, I gave him a call and he didn't answer. So I shot him a text and just said, hey, what's up, big guy? Yeah, right. And it was late, but he's usually up late. And, and uh, he texted me back. And I won't say exactly what he said, but sure. in his text, he was very direct. And he right. let me know that his son had taken his life. And wow. it was like two in two days, you know? I mean, just... Man. And both in Tooele, and we'd had some previous in the year. We'd had, you know, 2014 was a rough year. And so yeah, I came back. We had that next week, we had two funerals, one day apart, you know. And a couple of weeks later, lost another young man in Tooele and just kind of weighed heavy on my mind. Nothing yeah. I'd ever thought of before, but right. just for some reason, this, yeah. this time period really hit home. And so I remember going to sleep and you know at my age it's typical to kind of wake up in the middle of the night and have a little insomnia and yeah. so i woke up and just had these things rolling through my mind and my wife woke up and said what's the matter why are you awake and i said you're gonna hate me but uh i think i'm gonna start a foundation for suicide prevention and she kind of chuckled and said you don't know anything about suicide and i didn't yeah. And so I said, but you know what? I know I'm a hard worker and I'll, I'll figure it out. Figure some stuff and, out. Yeah. Uh, so we started that journey filing for our 501c3 right out of the gate and uh, dumped the money in to get it going. And I found out as much information as I could. I knew there were six trainings that the governor had on a list that uh, right. were evidence-based trainings. And I said, I'm going to get all of those. And so we rocked those out, got all of them out. Nice. And... It, that was February, and I think we got approval, might have been like September of 2014, from the IRS for the 501C, and we just started going. And it was interesting because we kind of just let it go the way we felt. Any, any direction we felt would be appropriate, we let it go. Um, right. One of the things that uh, I felt was really important was 
there was not a suicide support group in Tooele. And it seemed oh, like wow. every other county had one, but Tooele yeah. didn't. And That's probably a little surprising, right? And I'd never been to a support group. Right. And I w- I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy that would go sit in a group of strangers and kind of lay it all out there. I just, it seemed awkward and odd to me. And we decided, you know what, we're going to start it. And so we started it um, fall of 2014. And I remember going, well, let's bring some refreshments and drinks and and I told everybody on the board of directors, we might be sitting in a circle looking at each other. Right. <laughs> there might not be anybody that comes to this. Yeah. And, and that evening we had five, uh, I, I call them kids, but they were, you know, anywhere from teens to twenties, five that came that night really? that were actively had suicide ideation. They were thinking about suicide. Really? We had families that had lost loved ones, and I think we had about 15 in hold to the first meeting. First meeting, wow. And, uh, That's awesome. We continued to do that on a monthly basis. We outgrew the church where we were doing it. Mm-hmm. We moved to the college, moved from the college to the hospital, who's been a big sponsor of what we do. And, yeah. And we found a home in the hospital, and that's where we've been doing it ever since. And we've been bringing in about 30 a month. Wow. And I think to myself, how many more are out there? How many more are out there that have right. no idea that you know, or or just don't feel comfortable enough to come? Right. But if you're getting thirty a month, man, that's a success. I'd, I'd oh, say. Oh, absolutely. Well, especially on that first night when you're thinking, is it just going to be yeah. us two looking at each other? And then all of a sudden, and then the fear was, oh my gosh, people are here. What do we say? What do we do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. How did that go? Yeah. Speaking of that, like, how did what did you say? I mean, you're probably like, man, this is brand new to us. And- you know. I'll tell you the the biggest blessing. And I think when I've been to any trainings on, on facilitating a support group, they say typically it's best to keep the people that are, are in crisis in their own meeting and the families, the, sur- the survivors of loss in another meeting. Oh, okay. And for me, it's not been that way because I'll tell you what, if you lose a child or a loved one to suicide, usually you haven't had the time to tell them what you wished you could have told them. Yeah. There's always those woulda, coulda, shouldas. Yeah. However, you know, say they lost a, a child five years ago and they come to that support group and they've got another child that is, is in crisis. The best advice comes from the loss survivors wow. because they've now figured out, you know, if I could go back in time, this is what I would have said. Yeah. Here's what I would have done differently. And, and so, I mean, the blessing was having those, those survivors of loss at that first meeting that just said, Oh man, you know, don't do that to your family. And this is how we would have felt. And, you know, and, and I really think it's been great. We're kind of, we joke around about us being kind of a little dysfunctional family, but what a, (laughs) what a cool thing it is. Oh, that is amazing. Well, so I know you're also doing some other amazing things, not on top of that. I want to keep talking about that, but you also do this walk to raise awareness. Yeah, and that kind of came about a funny way, too. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. You know, there's there's other groups like the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They do what's called an out-of-darkness walk, and they do it at Liberty Park. Um, and they do it at other locations across the state. But here in the Valley, they do it at Liberty Park. And it gets thousands of people that come to it. And um, it was interesting because we did some type of event. I can't even remember what it was, but we did some type of event, and we gave the press release and the press didn't show. Nobody mm. came. No TV right. channels, no newspapers or anything. Yeah. And I remember being a little bugged about it because sure. I thought this would have been something really good to cover. 
And yeah. So again, well, very important. Too, I get yeah. these, these weird thoughts when I should be sleeping. Um, but one of the thoughts that came to mind was, you know, the press doesn't show up necessarily unless you do something crazy, do something stupid. And, <laughs> and, uh, it's probably true, right? And, you know, something that would get attention. Yeah. Right. And again, my wife woke up. What are, <laughs> what are you up for? And I said, you know what I'm going to do? She said, what? And I said, I'm going to walk to Windover. And she goes, you're stupid. Go back to bed. <laughs> and and we kind of laughed about it. And we still joke about it because, you know, Twila, uh, you take the Twila exit off I-80. That's exit 99. Right. So that means it's 99 miles to the state line at Wendover. And uh, wow. so she goes, there is no way you're going to walk 100 miles. I said, listen, you know, no offense. I love Oprah. No offense to Oprah. But I'm like, Oprah Winfrey ran a marathon. If Oprah Winfrey can run a marathon, I can certainly walk a marathon, right? Yeah. We can bang this thing out. Yeah. And so I remember taking it to the board of directors and saying, what do you guys think? Should we go walk to Windover? It would be the longest suicide prevention walk in the nation. And wow. I know we could do it. And I figured it out. If we yeah. do five miles an hour and we rotate, we won't walk the full hundred, but we will. Yeah, we'll, you'll have people walking it. Somebody will be walking Someone will be doing it. miles. And, and uh, I got a little bit of kickback. Um, one <laughs> of the people on the board says, listen, I'm not walking down I-80. If somebody got hurt, I'm done. I'm not going to be on the board anymore. Very good friend of mine. Yeah. One right. of my best friends. And I said, listen, we're going to take every precaution we can. We'll keep you know the, the vehicle behind us. We'll keep a sheriff in front of us. We'll be kind of sandwiched between the two. So we, we went to uh, UDOT and they said, no, you're not walking down I-80. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. And so we refigured the plan, said, okay, we'll walk from Tooele City Hall out through Grantsville. When we hit I-80, we'll jump on the frontage road, which is dirt, and we'll walk. There's, there's a downside, and I've never told anybody this. The downside is it's way more than 100 miles because that road's not straight. It winds oh, up into the wow. foothills and kind of comes back. So if you've walked the walk and you wonder why it felt like more than 100 miles, sorry, but you still <laughs> yeah. got to do it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and so awesome. we walked this dirt road. And I'll tell you what, we have done that every year, except for this year, and it had to be canceled because of COVID. Um, we've moved up to where we're taking charter buses like La Bus and and Salt Lake oh, okay. Express, yeah. we've used them in the past. These buses have bathroom and have a bathroom in them. Yeah, you're comfortable, and they got charging stations. and And basically, what you'll do is walk as long as you can. We do five mile sections, okay. and if you want to walk ten, just keep out just of keep the bus. Going, yeah. If you're tired, if you can't make it the five, if you only can make it one, then get back in the bus. It's going five miles an hour, so you just walk back, get on the bus, and there's treats and drinks in there. And uh, the first year. I'll probably mess up the numbers, but the first year, I think, as a whole, we did a walkathon at the high school in conjunction with the Hope Squads. I think we walked like a, co a combined 800 miles that first year. Wow. The second year, we over doubled it. The third year, we were, I, I want to say, in the 3,000 miles that we were wow, rocked that's out. That's amazing. Because we were taking more people. Taking it's more. more than doubled every year. This, this year, we were scheduled to take 200 walkers four tour buses and it was going to be our biggest one yet. And then COVID broke out in March and April's when we go. And so we canceled it, but it has been recognized by 
Attorney General Sean Reyes has, has yeah. spoken about it. And we have his speech on, on our YouTube channel. But right. uh, it is the longest suicide prevention walk in the nation. It's been recognized. We've had people come in from as far away as D.C. to walk it. Um, oh, wow. That's people amazing. from most, you know, and, and it's not just Tooele people that are walking it. Yeah. So I think last year's walk, over half of the people were from outside Tooele County, you know, from the Wasatch Front, right. um, different parts of the state that just wanted to be a part of it. And there's something interesting because when you're walking that, it's kind of like the first day of school. You know, you get to the first day of school in a new school, you don't know anybody. Right. So at registration at City Hall, at 5.30 in the morning, you're standing around kind of a wallflower. You don't know any yeah, of these like people. who are these people, yeah. And it's funny, by the by the time that bus comes back that third day and drops everybody off at City Hall, people are, you know, exchanging phone numbers. Right. And, and they've become friends for life. They're on Facebook. You're yeah. seeing all these people communicating still. Um, but there's something healing about that walk. You've got 100 miles of nothing desert right yeah salt flats and you you might think that your story is the worst story in the world that you've endured or suffered and and you hear other people's stories and they'll be on the buses with the you know the mic at the front of the bus that the bus driver uses right telling their story to everybody on the bus as we're driving i mean it's it's really an incredible time and then when we get to the end we get a police escort to the Windover Will, the big cowboy in the middle of the right. strip. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we take yeah. a big group photo in front of that. We take half of the Red Garter Hotel and Casinos Hotel. And then we do a huge after party in the historic Windover Airfield and have a concert. Last year's concert was Kennedy Dodds. Um, if yeah. anybody has been watching sure. America's Got Talent, yeah. she, uh, she was our entertainment. And I'll tell you, we had one of my friends that's a Nashville recording artist had to back out at the last minute. And he sent me some names of people that are local that might be able to do it. And he sent me about six and Kennedy Dodds was on that list. And I kind of watched some of their things. And right. my wife said, who are you going to pick? And I said, I think I'm going to go with this 14 year old little girl. Yeah. And she goes, really out of all those, that's who you're going to pick. And I said, something feels right about it. And yeah. turned out that, uh, she had lost a cousin to suicide and had written a song about suicide. It was one of the most beautiful songs you've ever heard. It's on our YouTube channel really? as well. And wow. uh, um, it's entitled, It's Not Your Time to Go. And uh, it was, there, there wasn't one person. See, I'll get all emotional telling that, but there wasn't one person that wasn't tearing up. And I thought, it's funny, you know, you get the right people in yeah. your path. And this little girl was meant to be there, you know. Yeah. And her her career is going to just rocket. Oh, She's yeah. going to keep going, you know. But it was fun watching her get some publicity on America's right. Got Talent. But, uh, you know, that walk had, I don't know how many things like that, that were just people that were meant to be, meant to be in our path. And right. from the bus driver to to this little girl. And I think... It's probably one of the coolest things we've ever done. So I'm stoked about it. If if you're listening to this and you think, gosh, I want to be part of it. Um, we do have a Walk to Windover Facebook page, um, Instagram. So right. get on there and find it because it's going to happen next year. I mean, for sure. this year we were so bummed we couldn't take the buses and take yeah. the people that my family and one other family 
just got in our cars and had somebody drive while the rest were walking and we walked it alone when we got to Windover, the the casinos were boarded up and yeah there was no party at the end i i, I sang on the ride home so i mean they had that but i mean <laughs> Uh, but it was l- awesome. lucky them right yeah lucky yeah. them wow so you so still did it that's amazing we did it alone and, yeah. and it felt good to do it and i felt bad because i knew there were people that wanted to do it and i felt bad to do it without them but we couldn't do it with the blessing of the health department right or yeah it's understandable and we had nowhere to stay and so yeah but it, it's amazing wow that is that sounds like an amazing event and really you cool. know like you i like i like what you said we had to kind of get the you know, get the press, you know, interested in what we're doing. It's like, hey, here's what we're doing, guys. It's the, you said it's the longest one in suicide walk in the nation. And I'll tell you, they all showed up. Oh, we I had bet. Salt Lake Tribune, <laughs> all the papers, the news, the newspapers, and every television television channel showed up for wow. it. So it's just proof an, if you're trying to get their attention, that's yeah. how you do it. Yeah, do something <laughs> amazing like that, and that really is amazing. And how is that? How is how do you feel like the awareness has grown because of just if we just look at the walk that you're doing in how Tooele is that County? Done? It has it really has, and I I I envision at some point in time, it, you know, again, it's not just about Life's Worth Living Foundation. It's about there's so many amazing people that are doing similar things and yeah. uh, through their own foundations or their own organizations. So my goal is. Yeah, that we have 29 counties. Wouldn't it be cool that if we could all come together and do walks across our counties? I mean, if you're in Daggett County, man, you're done in 20 minutes. But I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you're in Box Elder or, yeah. or uh, you know, some of these uh, Tooele County, they're they're pretty big. <laughs> but I think how cool would that be as a state if we each uh, each county did that combined on the same days? Yeah, you know, it'd be uh, awesome. Yeah. So you know, awareness. Our our foundation has a threefold mission awareness to raise awareness educate and prevent suicides and awareness is key i mean if you're not making people aware that there's a problem yeah there's so many people that haven't been affected that just don't realize how bad it is exactly no that's wonderful well tell us you know you've done some training and you've been doing this for a while now what what's some information you could share with our listeners of you know maybe they're they've been suicidal before or they know someone that seems really depressed or down or what, what's some things that you could share with us that you've learned through this whole, you know, growth process that you've been through? Well, you know, I wish there was a way to teach empathy and, you know, I think as a culture, um, it's probably worldwide, but definitely here within the United States, we're so focused on number one on ourselves, right? Yeah. That that's what we're paying attention to is ourselves. And, the trick is there is so much going on outside. I mean, if you're not aware and you're not looking, you're not going to see it. It's kind of like, um, you probably heard people say this before, you know, if I focus on, I want to see a butterfly today, you're probably going to see a butterfly today. Yeah. Well, one of the things is there are people that are suffering. They say that there's about one in 20 that are currently thinking of suicide. So, I mean, if you're a kid and you're in the school class, there's somebody in your class that's thinking of suicide. Thinking of if it. you're at church, yeah. there's how many people in that congregation right. that are thinking of it. If you are at the grocery store, I mean, think about these places. And Man. and so I think the key is to be the person, and I don't know how to teach empathy, but I can tell you that if you're watching people and you're listening for signs, most of the time people aren't going to come out and say, I'm thinking about killing myself today. 
just isn't going to be something that yeah. leaves their lips. And so you'll hear phrases like, man, I wish I could just go to sleep and never wake up. Or my family would be better off without me. Or nobody notice if I wasn't here tomorrow. I yeah. mean, those are kind of the things that you hear. Right. Um, they're, they're, there's a story, and I'll get a okay. emotional again. But it's okay. Uh, there's a story I heard from a good friend, Taryn. And uh, she said there was a kid in third grade that went to school. And while he was at school, he said to his best friend, he goes, I want to give you my Hot Wheels. And he goes, why are you giving me my, your Hot Wheels? And he goes, because I'm moving. And he goes, you're moving? And he goes, where are you moving to? And he says, to heaven. Mm. And uh -huh. uh, that kid went through school that entire day. And lucky for that third grader, somebody by the end of the day had clued in and got him the help that he needed. Because let me tell you, third grade, it's happening. The youngest in Utah was a kindergartner. Really? Yeah. Since I've been doing that's it, the oldest that I'm aware of is 95. And so, I mean, that's that's a huge age range. And so if we're paying attention and listening for things that just seem out of the ordinary, if if you know somebody that's usually in a pretty good mood and you notice their mood drop, ask them a question. Yeah. Find out what's going on. Now, that goes both ways. If you got somebody that's always kind of dark and and kind of a downer. Right. Um. And there's people like that that just are always kind of, their mood's kind of low. If their mood comes up and they're happy all of a sudden, you should be worried. We should ask about them. Because a lot of times for that person, they've just kind of made that commitment in their mind that they're going to take their life and it takes that burden off their shoulders and they finally feel good. And so wow. I think key is paying attention, looking around, watch people. I mean, I'm a people watcher anyway, but uh, yeah. you could put me at the airport and I'd be <laughs> fine all day be just happy. watching people. But, yeah. but if we're watching people, you're going to be aware if something seems odd. The, the, the hardest thing that I think people have is asking the question, are you thinking about suicide? Or, man, you're going through some hard stuff. And sometimes when people are going through hard times like this, they're thinking about suicide. Are you thinking about suicide? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because some people will say, are you thinking about hurting yourself? That's not a good way to ask it because for them, they're wanting to end the hurt. Right. And so, yeah, I don't want to hurt myself more. No, it's not. It's, they're not thinking that taking their life is going to hurt themselves. It's solving that problem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, the misconceptions is that people are weak. It's a chicken that's going to take their life. They're right. taking the easy way out. And so um, for you and I, this will make sense. But do you remember where you were when September 11th hit? Yeah. You remember what was going on Absolutely. right at that moment? Right in that moment. I was sitting in my house in Sandy. I was sitting at the foot of my bed and my sister-in-law called and says, turn on the news. You know, the plane just struck one of the trade center towers. We turned it on and I don't think that TV went off for three days. I mean, oh, we were just, yeah. You glued know, to it, yep. Glued to it. But yeah. do you remember the first plane hit, we were kind of confused, was an accident. Yeah, what was going on? Second yeah. plane hit, we're like, this is intentional. This is yeah. uh, act of terrorism, right? We, mm -hmm. We're dialing it in. I mean, we can't even imagine what's going on, but we're, we're watching that. Something interesting happened. You had those gaping holes in both of those towers. Smoke was, you know, going through the sky. And the news crew started to pick up something that day. There were people in those broken windows above where the plane struck. And what were they doing? Yeah, they were. They were jumping. They were jumping. 
Now, they've gone back and they've reviewed the tapes from that day from all the security cameras and the buildings around it. Yeah. There were over 200 jumpers that day really? from the trade towers. But what's interesting is not one of us was sitting on our sofas, sitting on the edge of our bed, watching that TV, sitting at our computer monitors at work watching that, saying, wow, they took the chicken way out. That was the easy way out. Right, you know? right. But by definition of the word suicide, they died by suicide, right? Yeah. What we have to remember, and I think this is key, when you look at somebody, picture that tower. Picture that trade tower. We knew it was bad. We knew it was bad, but from our couch and from our vantage point, we couldn't recognize how bad it was inside that building. Yeah. And those people are inside those windows going, is it better for me to face what's inside that tower or get out of it? Yeah. And I think that's much the same with people that struggle with suicide. We don't know what's going on inside. We don't. People yeah. can keep it masked and people can keep it hid. And we just need to look at people without judgment. You know, it's got to be pretty bad if you're willing to take your life. It's got to be, things have to be pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, the goal is we don't want anybody to do that. Right. So if we can reach them at that point of crisis and offer them options, help, uh, you know, it can make a huge difference. And so wow, Very he well is said. just watching people. Yeah. Paying attention and caring more about those around us, you know. Yeah. Wow. No, thanks for sharing that. I think a lot of people, they do worry about like, what do I say? What do I do? And how do I handle these things? And and that's that, I think that's really sound advice. What you just said, I think that sounds, you know, you know, we need to be more uh, attentive of what's going on around us with the people that we're rubbing shoulders with. Yeah. And I mean, we see their messages on social media, too. Yeah. If you see something on social media reach out to that person and say, hey, are you okay? Yeah, you're okay. Can yeah. I help you? Do, you know, I'm here for you kind of thing. And yeah. it's interesting because when people are in that suicide crisis, the one thing they want to do, and it's it, with the work you do in addiction recovery, mm -hmm. isolation is a killer. It is. And yeah. so they want to withdraw from their family and their friends. They want to be alone. They want to have that alone time. And let me tell you, nothing good comes in that alone time. I mean, Nothing, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those deals. I always tell people, have you ever had a toothache? A toothache sucks. And you're trying to get into the dentist <laughs> right. and, and stuff. Yeah. Nothing sucks worse than that toothache. When you're laying in bed at night, it's dark in the room. And the only thing you can focus on is that throbbing pain in your mouth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing with isolation. If there's other things preoccupying your time, people talking to you and you're, you're having that connection with people you're in a much better place. But when you isolate, yeah. your your peripheral vision comes in, it narrows, and all you focus on is the problem. Yeah, that reminds me of the principle of what you focus on increases. Yeah. And and you're you know, and you're you're saying it perfectly there and that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, we say in our industry, you know, connection's the opposite of addiction, right? Absolutely. I think connection is the key for all of us because you know, is. that's really what we are ultimately looking for. When you know, you, we've talked about it, you and me, about yeah. how intertwined these things are. Addiction, yep. um, oh, yeah. suicide. I yeah. mean, that, it, any type of prevention is connected in one form or another. And so right. it's, yeah. it's really interesting. That yeah, it is. Wow. Well, you know, I want to, were, we were sharing before we went live, you were sharing 
um, something you wanted to talk about. I want to, I want you to tell us, you know, what is your why? And there's kind of a story behind that. Would you share that with us, John? Well, it's interesting. I, I, uh, read a book and, and, for those of you that have know me, you've probably heard me tell the story. My wife and I were called on a mission for the church. Uh, it's been a while ago. We were called uh, as to run the addiction recovery program in the mm. West Valley Mission, and right. and we were called for eighteen months, and we finished a little over four years of it, and uh, and stepped away from it right as COVID was happening, starting, and so. Um, I've shared this in, in the recovery groups and the 12 step program and stuff. And it fit for that. And, but it really fits my why is why I'm doing the prevention thing. And there's this, this book is by Admiral William McRaven. It's called make your bed. Yeah. And in that book, he, he became a Navy SEAL ended up, uh, over all of the Navy SEALs in the Western U S I believe half the country was under his command and, but back when he was young and he decided he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, they sent him down to um, San Diego for the training. And uh, it was tough training for him. And this guy's tougher than nails, right? Right, yeah. But there is a week during that training that they refer to as Hell Week. And what they want to do is they want to get the week uh, recruits out. Let's yeah. get them out of here so that we can focus on the ones that are really going to make it. Yeah. And so they put them through hell week and this, this hell week is literally hell. I mean, lack of sleep, lack of food. Um, they are going, going, going all the time. Well, Wednesday of hell week is the worst day. Um, that's when they try to weed out, you know, a bunch of them. Right. And so what they did was they wake them up in the middle of the night make them pack their rafts down to the Pacific ocean oh, man. and they get in those rafts and they paddle all the way down to the border of Mexico. You know, they're in San Diego, but it's still a long way. It's cold. Yeah. If you've ever been down in San Diego, everybody thinks, Oh, it's warm. It's chilly. The wind coming off that, yeah. that Pacific ocean is, is cool. It's cold. It is middle of the night. Yeah. It's, it's cold. And so they get in those rafts and they're paddling down. They've had no sleep. Paddle down to what's called the Tijuana Mud Flats. And as they get down to that Tijuana Mud Flats, they knew that they were going to have this. I mean, rumors go around about what's coming. Right, right? yeah, what we're up They know for. what's coming. <laughs> the Tijuana Mud Flats is one of the scariest days there. So they get them down to this mud flat, and it's kind of like clay, wet clay, but it's chest deep. So they get out of the rafts, put them up on shore, and they get into this area where they've got some dikes built up around it and they get standing chest deep in this clay or mud and it's ice cold you know sun still hasn't come up right and the uh the officers are up there barking out orders you know do this do that and they were doing uh relays and races and if you can imagine doing that surrounded by thick clay it's hard to move it's hard to make your way and and right. probably looks ridiculous sure right? yeah <laughs> But they keep these guys going, no food, no sleep, and uh, they're in formation doing these relays all day long. Well, the sun comes up, it still starts to warm up the air, but that clay is still ice cold. Oh, man. And they're almost at the point of hypothermia, and that sun goes back down that evening. They're still doing these relays. They haven't had a break. Man. Just beating them down, right? right. And they're they're telling them how worthless they are and, you know, how oh, it goes. Yeah. And they're just beating them <laughs> down. Well, 
those those trainers are up on the dike and they're started a fire and they're making soup and they can smell it right smell the soup they can smell the hot coffee up on the dike and sun goes down and and one of the officers goes listen you guys are weak you're worthless you're this you're that there's no way you are ever going to be a and i'm i'm taking out all the the you know sure. making this age yeah. appropriate but uh, <laughs> telling right. them how worthless they are yeah. and, and that they're never going to be navy seals they're not fit to be navy seals and and so he finally says guys come on all i need is for five of you to quit five of you quit all you got to do is come on up here with me make you some hot soup we got you some hot soup and hot <laughs> coffee we just need you to recognize you're never going to make it right. you're not strong enough you're not fit to be a navy seal as soon as five of you quit that can be right now. Five of you quit. We're done for the day. We'll head back, get cleaned up, and you have your warm beds at home at the at the barracks, right? And William McCraven said, man, I was not going to give up. And he says, is he saying that? The guy next to me starts to inch forward. And he goes, I grab his arm, and I'm not going to let him go. I'm going to keep him right here. Yeah. You're not going to quit. And I told him, you're not going to quit. Come on. You've got this. Come on. And he says, and his will to quit was stronger than his grip. And, and the guy mm. broke free, started inching his way up to that dike because he, he, he recognized he, he was yeah. the guy that needed to quit. He wasn't going to make it. And uh, he starts inching his way forward and he sees the eyes of the other guys. And there's weakness in those eyes. They're like, yeah, I'm going to be one of those five too. And yeah. as he starts to get closer to that dike, a voice from the back starts singing and William McCraven goes, man, it was terrible. It was out of tune. <laughs> it sounded horrible. Right. You could tell the guy was worn as tired. His yeah. voice was rough, but he said, you know what happened in that moment? One voice turned to two, two turned to three. And before you knew it, all of us were in there singing in unison. And he said, right before that guy got to the dike to quit and give up. And, and, and I, I should back up the trainer and the officers are going, knock it off, quit singing. If you keep singing, we're going to have more time in the mud, you know, telling them, knock it off. We will right. stay here all night long if we have to, <laughs> but they wouldn't quit singing. Wow. And before that guy got to the dike and quit, he turned around and inched his way back into formation. And so when people say, why are you doing this? Why? You know, it's a bummer. It's yeah. not a fun thing to, not fun. it's, it's not fun to work in. It's, it's a lot of sad stories. You can tell that's probably not good for me, but, uh, he inched his way back. And so my goal wow. is to be the guy that starts the singing and, wow. uh, and to that. let people know that, you know, there's hope in addiction. There's hope you're sitting in that 12 step program thinking, man, I'm never going to be able to stay clean. They just need somebody to offer that hope and hope is key. Yeah. And so uh, when I think of a story that explains my why, that's it. Wow, that is amazing. You know, I've seen, I've heard a little about him. We, there's a video that we actually showed to some of our clients here yeah, about him. I and, know which one you're talking But they don't about. go into detail like that. And I didn't know the backstory. I kind of knew them, the, the singing, yeah. but I had no idea the story behind it. So that is, that is powerful. And, and that's really what you've been doing, man. You started singing. And people are starting to join in and you're, yeah. you're starting to make an impact, you know? Well, that's the goal, you know, mm -hmm. are, are we ever going to stop suicide from happening? I, I don't know, but you know what? We can make a dent in it. And that's, right. 
that's one of those things. And, you know, one of the things we've done, too, uh, that if you don't mind me bringing up, because it has to do with veterans. Please, yeah. That was uh, going to be my next question. Oh, was it really? (laughs) Well, I thought, well, that kind of leads me into it. You know, I grew up in a military household. My dad was out at Dugway Proving Grounds until he retired. Um, But it's interesting. We ask these guys to go out and do the unthinkable. Go around the world. Do really hard things, right? But yet, there's a saying that we always hear. You hear it in the movies, the war movies and stuff. Leave no man behind, right? Yeah. We're not going to leave somebody on the battlefield. But yet, what happens with our our veterans is they come home, and they're struggling, struggling with things that they've had to do, things they've seen, and you know we hear about PTSD all the time. PTSD wasn't always something that they called it back in World War II. They called it shell shocked. They'd come home and they mm-hmm. were shell shocked, but these these veterans come home and they find it really difficult to fit back into a normal life yeah. after doing what they've right. done right you know you'll you'll see the struggle and consequently we lose 22 veterans a day to suicide every day every day yeah. now that number is not correct but it's the number we go with you know because if if they die of an overdose unless they've left a note it goes down as an accidental overdose oh, so, gotcha. so some of those things you don't don't know you don't know I, I'm yeah. sure it's much higher but sure. 20 22 a day is what we go yeah. with and to kind of give you an idea um, we were asked to go up to the Capitol and be part of a, a night called thank you for your service and this was in 2017. Um, 2017, we went up and took part in this evening at the Capitol. We watched a documentary called Thank You for Your Service. And there was a number, that a statistic that stuck in my head, and I've never been able to get it out. But uh, during that, that documentary, they said in the Vietnam War, you know, back when we were little kids, I mean, Vietnam War, we lost 58,220 soldiers to combat. 58,000. Just amazing. If you've ever seen the Vietnam Wall, I mean, it's staggering when you look at the, the number of names. The names we have yeah. We have a replica up in Layton uh, here, and I've, I've stood in front of it and, and just in awe at how many names of those, those Vietnam soldiers that we've lost. 58,000. But since the Vietnam War, of only the Vietnam soldiers we've lost over 170,000 to suicide. So three to one, wow. basically, three to one. That's, a, that's So staggering. You know, we say yeah, we're not going to leave anyone behind. They come home and they get lost in the shadows. Yeah, they and they, do, yeah. And, and so after that uh, film, watching that film at the Capitol, I said, you know what? There is not... There's a traveling uh, monument that you can bring to your city and they'll right. set it up for a, a minute and then take it away. But uh, there is not a permanent uh, uh, monument, monument that dedicated right. to veteran suicide and solving right. that problem. So in 2018, January 1st, we started raising money for a bronze uh, statue. It's 18 feet tall. Wow. And, yeah. and I thought, you know what? We, I live in Tooele. We've got Dugway Proving Grounds in Tooele County. We've got uh, the Tooele Army Depot. And I thought, what, what a better place than to put it right here where we live. And so yeah. we ended up raising the money and unveiled that statue by a uh, real famous uh, local uh, sculptor, Dan Snar. 
and uh, it found its home in the Twila Memorial Veterans Park, and it's 18 feet tall, but the pedestal is kind of the key. We talk about those numbers I gave from Vietnam, right, but yeah. uh, on that pedestal, the pedestal's concrete, six feet tall, and what we're doing is we're putting six-inch bronze plaques of resources. People like my buddy oh. Josh Hansen with Continue Mission up in North Salt Lake, um, he came home after having traumatic brain injuries, and he started right. a foundation to try to get these guys back together, give them that community yeah, the so that they piece. can, uh, they yeah. go mountain biking, skiing, cross-country yeah. skiing, snowshoeing, and, and he gets them together and where they can have that camaraderie. And, and uh, so we're putting those plaques on, and my goal is to continue to add plaques every year. And we're going to do that so that when a family goes and sees that monument, they might go, gosh, I didn't even know this stuff was even yeah, available. Well, yeah, this is, that's a wonderful and, idea. And so we're going to keep, uh, six feet's a lot of concrete to cover. So, I mean, we're going <laughs> to yeah. we're gonna continue to, to add plaques to that and uh, offer resources to help those struggling vets when they come home. And so oh, that's that. something we're really proud of. And when yeah. we did it, I didn't think we could, I mean, the value of that statue is a quarter of a million dollars. I never thought in a million years we were going to be able to raise the money to put that statue in and we gifted it to the city of Tooele. But uh, the day that we unveiled that, man, you could have heard a pin drop. We had um, the governor declared it Life's Worth Living Day. Um, It was standing room only in the park. We put out, I think it was three or 400 chairs. And I thought, man, we're never going to fill those chairs, but how cool would it be if we could fill up the chairs? We actually had standing room only. Man. We had a one-star general. We had all of the politicians that kind of helped push this. And and it was amazing that day to how many families came up to me afterwards and said, holy cow, you know, um, we can't thank you enough for putting this in here. And, you know, it's not just a Utah deal. It's the first in the country. Man, that's and amazing. If it only connects one veteran, it's worth the two hundred fifty thousand. Man, that is that's amazing, John. Thank you for sharing that Man, with I us. I sound like a boob on your thing. <laughs> hey, no. Can you edit all that out? Nope. Sorry, <laughs> I can't do that. No, and I love it. I love that you're real, and I love that you're vulnerable right now, and that you're. Again, I think that's why you're so good at what you do, John. Is you're so you are so empathetic. And you do care and you want to make a difference in this world. And, and I think we need more people like you. And I just, I don't know, you're an inspiration to me when I, you know, I, I've, I've known about you. We, I did your podcast. I studied up on you a little bit. But to sit here across from you face to face and hear these things and see the emotion and see the, the love you have for these people who are struggling, it really inspires me. I want you to know that. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, if people want to get to know you better and, and to find out more information on, you know, the your foundation and then also maybe this veterans uh, uh, statue and monument and things that you're doing, and maybe they want to get a plaque on, on yeah. that uh, yeah. cement uh, pedestal, how would they do that? Well, I'll tell you what. So we're in the process of revamping our website. Okay. Our website uh, currently is, it's, it's, it's 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 getting there <laughs> we gotta right. dial it in the rest <laughs> of the way so forgive yeah. me when you get there but life's l-i-f like frank l-i-f-e-s life's worth living foundation dot net that'll get you to the page that's being built great um we're on facebook we're on 
uh, Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on um, uh, Twitter. Um, you can email me at Life's Worth a Living Foundation at gmail.com. Okay. Um, what was I going to tell you? Um, one thing that we do offer is we do QPR training. It's a two-hour training. We can do it in churches and businesses and schools. Um, we also offer Talk Saves Life, Lives, and that's a two-hour training. Um, if you're in this space and you're wanting kind of a, a more in-depth training, I offer a training called Safe Talk. It is a half-day training. It can be done in a business. Uh, the last one I did was for all the school counselors at Tooele School District. And oh, uh, wow. cool. it's, it's great for those people because yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't just kind of touch on the subject. We have time to talk about it. Right. And we were, we were set up to be trained in April in another training called Working Minds. And Working Minds is uh, dialed in for the workplace, right? Because you don't think about it. You spend time with your family. You spend time sleeping. But you spend a lot of your time at work. And so those coworkers can be key in noticing when you're struggling. Absolutely. And so that training, I think, is a two-hour training. And if you're interested in that, we were partnering with the health department in Twilla. And even though I don't personally have my training yet because of COVID, um, they're coming in from Colorado to train us. Oh, great. If you're interested in that, I can still line up something through through my friends that are doing it oh, as, awesome. as well. And uh, so trainings are available. Um, I'm available for speaking. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ultimate goal is, I think one of the problems you have, in, and maybe you see it in, in the recovery world, but one of the problems you have in suicide prevention is it's very territorial. And so you might have one group that says, well, we do this better than that group, and, and one group <laughs> right. that wants to do their thing. Yeah. And not nobody wants to be walked on. But I'll tell you, I think one of the things that we've been most successful in is we'll work with anybody. And there's things that that my foundation can do that the school district can't do. Yeah. There's things that the school district can do that the health department can't do. And, and you know, and the communities that care and, and different groups. And so we, we don't have any of that territory. I don't care who gets credit. I don't care yeah. as long as somebody's yeah. doing it. And so, I know that about you, dude. That's so if, awesome. if somebody wants to bring in a training or, or, or have me come and talk to a group, I'd be happy to. Um, Great. We don't charge for it. So, wow. Just is what it is. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you can reach out to me. Okay. I'm on Facebook just under my name, John Gossett. And uh, you can reach out to me anyway, and I'll return the calls. Yeah. Well, we'll put that all out when we when we uh, make this live to everybody. And and uh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, is it okay to, to say, I, I you know, I Please. do a podcast as well. Please, yes. And it's Life's Worth Living Foundation podcast. It's it's not not as cool as this one. No, this one it's, I because I have to tell it's you, probably I've been cooler. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've been listening to yours since the beginning, and yeah. honestly, you're I listen every week. I haven't missed one of them. And, oh, and thank you. It's yours is my favorite podcast that I listen to daily because you know there's something about you know like that story I said about it being the voice singing in the back, man. The people that you've had on this podcast, I'm not even worthy to be in that same space. But how cool is it that all these people are doing amazing things? And so there's something uplifting about yeah. that. You know, you yeah. you listen to your podcast. I always leave uplifted like, wow, there's some oh. amazing people out there. And, yeah. And well, so, I'm glad to add you to the list of guests because I look at you the same way. You're you're doing amazing things. And again, I, you know, 
and you know this by doing your own podcast, we're, we're the lucky ones when we're, I just get to sit here and soak this <laughs> in. I get to see this face to face. Yeah, this is harder and on this side. I know. <laughs> but no, you're you're wonderful. And, and yeah, I, I want everyone to, to look you up and check out your podcast and check out your website and, and get involved with what you're doing and see how, you know, have John come talk to your group, whether it's, you know, school or a business or even your own family. John's that guy. He will help you in any way that he can. And and I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today out of your busy schedule to come share, you know, about your story, but then more importantly, what you're passionate about in helping and save and saving other people's lives. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity. And I'll tell you, if we keep working together as a community in your communities, Utah's going to continue to drop. We've dropped from fifth to sixth in the nation that's that's a big deal hey this year we're that's sixth. success yes and uh you know Tooele county we were fourth in 2014 when we started mm-hmm. we've dropped all the way to 21st out of 29 wow 17 spaces we've moved down and that's so i mean amazing if if you're focused on it those things will happen so absolutely and i love that uh how you keep saying what we focus on there because that is uh, that is it key is. well there you go folks john thank you so much for your time Please reach out to him and please share this with your entire family. And then obviously, if there's someone in your family, in your extended family or a friend or a colleague that's struggling and you just have this, let have them listen to this podcast. Maybe this will be the spark to kind of help them become, you know, you know, feel safe enough to actually say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts. And so please do that. And I can't thank you guys enough for supporting me. And, you know, John, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to rub shoulders with John now. And, you know, I consider you a friend. And and uh, I don't know. I just I, I don't know what else to say. It's really hard to, to close these off. But uh, thanks for taking the you. time, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Till next time. Love you guys. Mm-hmm.